Hello and welcome to the 55-1 podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. I am joined, uh, as always, by uh, Rodrigo Sanchez-Chevarria, uh, Mark Fangmeyer, uh, Corey Schreppel. I guess not as always. Sometimes we change things up. But uh, lately, this has been uh, the pod until one of you displeases me. Until you st- like one of you like refuses to go on, on Slack like Alex. He's just old school. Um, but welcome, everyone. Uh, I hope you're all doing well. Um, I'm not going to do the awkward, like, how are you doing? And then we say we're sad and stuff like that. Um, instead, I'm going to ask you all, I'm going to start with this question. Uh, what would your FIFA player rating be for David Luiz and for Francisco Calvo? And which one is worse? Because uh, this is, I'm going to just kick off with the uh, North London Derby. Corey? Combined 80. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, um, which one would you take? I don't know. I mean, they're they're both so shitty, but they're shitty at different levels. Like one's Premier League shitty, and one's MLS <laughs> shitty. I don't so know different I, levels of shitty. I'm convinced that David Luiz is not it, like that. That he is just not a real soccer player. Francisco I mean, do we Calvo, know for, I can yeah. Do we know for sure that he's still not under some secret contract with Chelsea to just oh. blow games? I don't know, but but he was blowing games for Chelsea too. I don't know. Maybe they were just prepping him. Like it was a, it was a really long con. Rodrigo, who would you take? That is so hard. Just because you know, I love that uh, meme uh, where like he's crying after losing that seven and one game. <laughs> but um, I probably, I don't know. I I I, I just. Combined score of 65. That's what I would say. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, So on this week's pod, we are going to talk about Minnesota United. We're going to mainly just do that because then we'll do like a short pod later this week to talk about the next game this coming Friday. Um, But uh, let's hit uh, a little, uh, a couple short things. Manchester City United uh, was announced today that they're going to skirt all accountability for being cheating fuckers. Um, They won't get the two-year Champions League ban. Their uh, fine of like $30 was cut down to $6.12. Depending on the conversion rate. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyone have anything useful to say about this other than just it's stupid news? It's just it just the the UEFA is just going to be screwed with any f- future financial fair play um, uh, accusations or lawsuits or whatever. It's just UEFA came out on the on the bad end of this. Like the the precedent is set now where it's just going to be like, eh. Eh. the the only people who will be punished for it will be like medium sized teams, yeah, like uh, Napoli or something like that, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't wait till the Daily Mirror discovers like the whole like craziness of paybacks that was done done behind behind closed doors and yeah I can't wait till that 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 article is released at one point. I'm yeah. sure they discovered it and they got a payback too, <laughs> kickback as well. <laughs> that's how we should discover it and then we'll get uh, paid off. <laughs> we get I the mean, payback. That's great. Oh wow, they have uh, ten million dollars a month in Patreon support. That's that's just really amazing groundswell. That's right. Um, Daily and, Mirror sponsors fifty five one. NWSL is basically um, I think uh, as of now is done with the group stage. Is that is that correct? No, they're still playing today okay yeah uh, the currently right quarter, now quarterfinal start on portland. friday yeah watching right now portland and rain as we as we pod 
Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I can't help think about Ol Rain um, with that kind of GIF of the uh, the owl that looks at the screen with um, open eyes and says O R L Y. Um, I just like to me they are not the Ol oh, Rain. Okay, they're the yeah. or or the they're like, really? really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really, Rain? Yeah. So that's uh, anyway. That's that's not insightful. Um, what games have you watched for NWSL, and what what stood out to you? Um, lately, uh, well, uh, um, I don't know where, I don't know how the sky blue beat the, beat the dash. That was just a crazy game for me. Um, two nothing sky blue. That was totally uh, surprising for me too. Yeah. I was like, cause like, you know, you would think like you, at the beginning of this, of this tournament, you were like, Oh, courage was doing great. You know, Utah was doing great. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like Houston was like, wow, Houston's really, and all of a sudden like everyone's like, you know, like. Utah lost to the rain, right? And then Sky Blue beat Houston. And then, you know, here I am, me and me, me and Corey are like, come on, Chicago, Chicago finally beat Utah <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> so they're no longer in last place. So like this literally right now what's happening in Portland and Rain right now is they're playing who's we're playing to be who's going to be in last last place at the yeah. moment. Yeah, because this is all just this is all just seeding now because Orlando bailed. There's no, um, yeah, there, there's no one team relegation from the tournament anymore. And, right? and, and you know, we've got, we also, we have um, three of these teams are, are going to be playing today um, or one, yeah. two are already playing, but third through seventh is all teams tied with four points. Right. So it's like, yeah, it is, uh, you know, obviously in, in group stages, it's always really tight, but the seeding is going to be extremely tight where goal differential and even goals scored um, will count. Uh, it, it's it's definitely just it's everything's weird in COVID times, but it's a funny way to do a tournament. And uh, of course, my team, North Carolina Courage, are on top. Yeah, it was funny. I think We're I saw not. something about before Chicago last night got that like late goal to go up one nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, that if everything had stayed the same, the um, tiebreakers for how you would do the seating for them was going to come down to number of disciplines because it goes so deep into like how like tied they were and so yeah but no but i mean yesterday i watched uh washington spirit uh beat the dash and that was a great match and like i've been really impressed with them actually like they kind of came out of nowhere like no one really expected to do anything and even like with rose uh lavelle just i mean she's been maybe starting 50 percent of the time like they've been really like stingy with her minutes and even without her out there out there kind of managing the midfield they've looked really good so i think hopefully everything works out where uh, Washington Spirit and um, finish second so that them and North Carolina are on opposite sides of the bracket so they can actually meet in the finals. I think it'd be a really good match. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a few teams that um, don't look hindered by the lack of stars and uh, a lot of teams that definitely do. They're, they're, they look fine. They're starting to get their legs uh, and, and fitness, but um, they're definitely just, you know, there's a little bit extra spark because uh, a, a, a league like that, the, the difference between the uh, Tobin Heaths and the, uh, you know, squad players is, is quite, quite big. Um, but it's been fun so far. Um, it's great having like all different options to, to be able to watch. Um, I am a big fan of Bella Bixby. I mean, that's one of my new new players that I'm following she's she's great she's a great goalkeeper she's a goalkeeper so. for uh rain or portland portland okay um she's great uh like reaction time like everything this has been it's one of those things but I, I think what the interesting thing is is 
who's better equipped to take down who's who's given the courage to challenge as a you know so far the only two teams that actually have been able to do stuff has been you know Chicago and Portland right and so if Portland ends up being eighth I don't you know after a couple of games in them and, and trying to figure out what they're going to do it's quite possible that this you know that that is possible so yeah. that's it's it's interesting it's a very interesting tournament right now so um, so, Tobin but, Heath gonna yeah. is just gonna come out of uh of from uh from the locker room and just kind of bust out and surprise everyone. Well, I, I think what I love mostly about not only this, but just it's just how like a lot of the players are, like trolling each other, like Rose Lavelle and Aldo are trolling each other on the field. But also the parody accounts that have come out of this whole thing. Like there's a playground parody account. There's an ambulance parody account. There's an ambulance parody there's account. There's a CBS truck parody account. Right. <laughs> like anything that's in the background of like the the stadium where they're playing at, there's a parody account. Like, there, there's probably like sprinkler parody accounts of like the sprinklers that are always going right. behind the right side. And there's of the a wall. turf parody account too. So I was like, uh, I think that's that, that's that's great. So. And similarly, Orlando Pride have done a great job of turning their Twitter account into a parody account as well. So. Boom. On on purpose. Or kind of, they put in, they're like, who should we be fans of? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to do one last little bit before we go to um, MLS is back tournament. Um, The Charlotte MLS team has, we've previously seen this, but they're talking about their team name ideas and all of them are pretty generic. Charlotte FC, Charlotte town, Charlotte athletic. Um, But this like reminds me, I think I brought it up on this podcast, but I am uh, even more convinced um, Aikopara on the BSI podcast for anyone who listens to it has mentioned probably three or four times that um, Charlotte is like basically his hometown club that would be or you know when they come in that will be and he is interested in playing for Charlotte Charlotte is going to be a brand new team next year and boy wouldn't that be a great signing for a team like Charlotte to sign Aikopara as you know, hometown guy, but also if you want to create a spine. Anyway, this is not based in anything. I've literally never heard anything other than Ike mentioned Charlotte a few times uh, on the podcast. And so don't, cat, do not step on my mixer. Don't. Go away. Um, sorry, the cats have invaded. Um, so uh, anyway, that's like my, my conspiracy theory. And, uh, uh, you know, maybe that Maybe we should do Minnesota United transfer news with that. Do you want to just jump to that and then? Yeah, I mean, similar to that, I mean, we're looking at it. There, it came out on Friday that Minnesota United is supposedly looking at a third, almost 31-year-old center back from France. So yeah. that sounds kind of similar to an Ike Opara replacement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so it came out... Um, he is, uh, I'm going to botch this name because it's what, Bakay? I think it would be Bakay uh, Debasi. Bakay Debasi? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so Debasi, uh, he, um, 31, you know, he plays for, um, is it Amin's, I think? Amin. And, uh, Amin? True. And, uh, see, I, not, <laughs> I, I, I do not take French. Uh, no, but anyways, he's 31. Um, uh, apparently, I don't know, Minnesota's been looking at it for a while. They have the discovery rights to the guy, um, I guess. Back uh, in February, DC was interested. DC United was interested in signing him, and um, per like Stephen Goff of the Washington Post said that um, 
they were interested in it. Um, but at the time the club was kind of in a relegation battle and didn't want to lose them. Um, but now that COVID has taken over and league one's been canceled anyways, they're cool with selling them. And apparently um, DC is no longer interested. And so that means that it's back to Minnesota and apparently it's um, the owner did an interview with a French paper, which was behind a paywall in France, French. So I didn't read it. Um, and basically he said that he named a couple players that are staying with the club for sure. And they just dropped. He's like, yeah. And then, uh, this guy is, uh, signed with an American club. And then it came out that was him. And then it said, and I guess, uh, Andy Grader at the um, Pioneer press reported that on, on, on last night, Sunday night that, um, yes, indeed the, um, team is looking at him. So hmm. another older, and he plays, I also plays left back primarily center back when he's been playing for the club. Yeah, left-footed defender. Um, it's a. I, I mean, I, I poo-pooed the Ramon Metinier, uh, um signing, and so uh, I, I can be wrong here, but certainly is not looking to the future. Um, you know, maybe we can get uh, two, three years out of a guy like this if he can come uh, get going right away. If he was signed, obviously he would not join this tournament. He'd be here for whatever the end of the the season might look like. Um, but. Is this kind of the the mold that Minnesota has to go in, right? If they, if if the academy is not going to be a way to bring players in, um, they're going to be, you know, they I, they're kind of going to be bargain shopping around the around the world. Like, you know, they'll get those Ramon Metineers, they'll get those um, uh, Jan Gregushes, which obviously two both worked out really well. Um, but uh, this seems like a kind of risky move when, you know, the Icopara move was quite you know really paid off probably the the best of any of their their moves i mean so far their moves at defense like once we got rid of calvo have been pretty solid like our back line has never been better and honestly if um i mean we'll talk about what it looked like last night but oh i mean comparatively <laughs> speaking after being out for four months and having no warm-up matches but yeah again, but and with uh, but no but i mean at, at 90 degrees and 95 percent humidity but um but I mean, just if we're not going to invest in our academy and like growing talent isn't a thing for us, that like developing talent isn't going to be our thing, at least not on defense. I mean, outside of like Chase, then, you know, if we're every two to three years going out and shopping and buying someone, it's, um, I mean, it's not, I mean, if you look at how little the academy worked with our number one team staff, anyways, it's not like there's like a, team philosophy and like going forward that like we're in getting all the, all the players to like build into and sign off on and all that and really get down. I mean, we're not going to be like a Red Bulls where we have like this mentality that goes through every single team going all the way down to our Academy. So whatever, I guess. I think, so. And I think, I think you're going to have, you know, if you're going to be shopping, try to do bargain shopping internationally, you know, center backs, fine like i i don't see a a, a huge uh issue with that because i don't i don't think that in the u.s that it's a particularly deep position either so yeah i guess i to me it's such a big risk if we're talking about replacing ike which you know again we're not sure if we are um it seems let's, like let's such look an, at our but let's just look at our depth right now currently yeah. right i mean you have boxel right and you have ike and then you have a ha, and then you have Kalman, and then maybe Noah, right? I mean, 
Yeah, depending on what we view him as, yeah. Yeah, right. And so, so and, yeah. And two of those four I, are out for the tournament. So it's not like we have any depth at all right, right. now. And then not only that, but who knows how long, how long, how long, how much longer will keep Coleman, right? The way they, things have, have been made in, you know, someone's got, got to go. So, so I get the, I get the inquiry and the liking of, of signing someone for depth purposes, but we'll see, right? Um, I don't, I don't, put too much uh, weight on on this issue for right now let's let's hit the big money ticket here the one that makes uh mark fangmeyer uh, dream <laughs> at night uh we got renosa uh, watch update us we got it um so apparently back about a week and a half ago july 1st um it was reported uh that uh, minnesota made an offer about 4.7 million uh, for 80% of his rights. About five days later, it came out that um, Boca Juniors had rejected that offer. And there's reports that they were about 2 million apart. Um, but apparently they weren't that far apart uh, because later on on the Saturday, a uh, reporter from uh, down in uh, Buenos Aires uh, basically said that the deal's done and that the um, manager of Boca is already trying to get his new replacement left wing winger in. And um, yeah, it basically came out that basically um, Boca, the sticking point had always been the two other teams that own a portion. I think Boca has 60% of his rights. And so as some portion of the other 40% were owned by two other clubs. And so that was how it was in the sticking point for how to like divvy up that portion of it. When, if he does transfer to Minnesota and apparently Boca was able to work that out by giving some of those teams some player, some rights to a different player that they had also been working with them on. I, again, get lost in Google translation, so I don't really know the details. Um, but yeah, and apparently the deal is close to being done. Um, 5.2 million for 80% of his rights. So their only initial offer was only up to by about half a million. And it was reported that Reynosa has already signed a five-year deal with Minnesota Whoa. United. So he's, if it did, everything goes through and there's no hiccups with the transfer, then he's going to be ours until he's 29. This means that <laughs> me know. and Corey are going to have to be start watching some of those horrible uh, Argentinian sports shows now <laughs> just to see if anything is mentioned. So. Um, do we know when that can go, that can, um, that deal can go through can it go through at any point right now with the transfer window not being open um I, they I, announced I mean, it, it, a couple uh, transfer windows and i forget what yeah, yeah there's them, one like the end of july that goes through like september or it's a really yeah, i thought big, it was yeah i they, thought it was they, august through um i thought it was august through like october or at this point they it back so it'll be august 12th through october window and yeah, yeah which i mean it. basically will line up with so i got end of the i mean he won't be eligible right. to play in the uh the covid cup yeah. anyways so it, yeah basically if the regular season ever gets started again or when it gets started probably I think that's going, anyway yeah cool um Great. So let's um let's take a break because we're going to come back and we're going to talk MLS is back um and uh, and talk about the games there and then Minnesota United. MLS is back and uh, we're here to talk about it. So uh, Rodrigo, 
I want to know what games stood out to each of you, but let's let's start with you, Rodrigo. Um, what, what did you watch this week, and uh, and how did it make you happy or sad? I I watched a lot of the MLSs back as much as I could, but I I, I stayed up for the um, for the what is it the hell hell is real hell is real derby, right? So you know because I wanted to see what what's his Debuted as a as a as a, as a managerial coach would be yeah I was, be I was like I was a great coach let me tell you we only lost yeah, for the first 15, 20 minutes you were you were amazing I mean I wanted to know what what the 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 game speech like the pregame speech was like because literally like the first twenty minutes it it you know Cincinnati looked like a team that wanted to play and wanted to win right and then um. Then they found out well, that they're a really bad team. That can't well, win. And then and then and then, you know, the the forward that they paid lots of money for, Celarayan, you know, beautiful free kick that literally just kissed the post and then I mean there was no way of defending that. And then, and then that was pretty much the, the end. Like at a half, it was like This is the Columbus striker. Right. Yep. Yeah. And then it was two nothing at half and literally five minutes into that it was just, you know, it, it was it was you know Cincinnati was done like they didn't want to play anymore by the 60th minute by the time they scored the fourth one like Nubia was watching the game with me she's like I'm going to bed <laughs> so this game was over at the 60th minute yeah and what impressed me the most not is not only you know was how the crew was really effective in um, their their style of play like their path Team was crisp that they looked like they were on point, and I know like everyone does against Cincinnati, right? Usually, but but I was thinking if what our scrimmage would have looked like <laughs> if we would have had a scrimmage, right? We put if 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 we play this Columbus team, more than likely we would have gotten our butts handed to us, and so. Um, but you know, it was just it was good to see lots of goals, and it was good to see good play. That's one of the things that we always missing. Chris passing, you know, there's some beautiful through balls, some beautiful cross balls that uh, Zardes was able to get up, get up. And so um, overall, like good goals. And, and but just you know, I feel for 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 your for your team, for your players, Wes. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how much deeper can they dig before they find the center of the earth. Yeah, it's and like, they've already done a complete reset on that team. It's it's like they you just have to. Just burn it down and start over and be like, "Up, oh, sorry, just kidding. <laughs> start over." Um, but you can't because you already have players under contract. Um, so, in general, uh, play has been pretty uh, poor. Uh, it's it's like this has happened with all the leagues that come back, right? Like everyone's out of shape. Uh, you can tell people have not crossed a ball uh, much in in the last three or four months. Um, was it, you know. Because I didn't watch the Hell is Real Derby, I, I decided to actually sleep that night. Um, uh, was it a matter of, or can you tell the difference between um, it was just Cincinnati or so bad, or was Columbus one of the few teams to actually look like they like they have a, a semblance of like being together and, and being able to like finish and, and have some some kind of tightness to them? Look, let's not beat around the bush. Cincinnati is a bad team and they were a bad team last year. And and expansion teams, usually you, you're looking for that progression jump, right? And, you know, with the new head coach, um, it's just, 
I don't, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was taking lots of notes of who the heck is not finishing their runs, right? And who the hell is not hustling back and who's not actually giving a crap to play out there, right? And, and, and trying to figure how, they, how they're going to be. I mean, I mean, Kendall Watson was like, <laughs> hands up in the air half the game. I was like, what's going on here? It's like, I can't get, can't get no communication, can't get no, no other things, you know? I mean, he got, they got split so many times. I think it's, um, it's demoralizing as a player, to tell you the truth. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you also want to be able to know what, what is the game plan. And unfortunately, who was more prepared? It was totally, you know, the crew. The crew were extremely more prepared. They looked crisp. They were ready to go. And I think since he is just, um, they're, they're going to have a very long road ahead if they can't figure out how to fix some of the issues that they have in that midfield. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I I don't see. I'm, I'm hoping they do because I don't really want you know someone to be that bad. It's just it's just not fun. And well, it's not fun for that team and those fans. So the the group is in, that group is important to watch because the winner of that group, which likely looks you know I know it's early one game, uh, but Columbus um, are likely to be the the winners of that group. Um, they uh, although I guess every team is going to beat uh, since he, but that winner of that group plays the second. Uh, place team in our group so you know we look uh, pretty good we'll talk about that um, in terms of uh, doing well in the group but uh, if, if we end up uh, coming in second then uh, facing Columbus would be a very tough you're probably one of the tougher uh, uh, matchups that we could have there um, Mark you watched uh, Inter Miami well you watch a lot but w- which one do you want to talk about um, yeah Inter Miami I started watching it um I mean, the first half. Was, fin- I haven't finished it yet, but oh yeah, it was a no. I, I actually, I hadn't because I I, I woke up to the post game commentary. Um, I, I was I, I watched the entire first half and it was just sluggish and boring. And the only takeaway of it was that um, Tom Dwyer is still like just an ass. Oh, he's and, terrible. Um, yeah, and just awful. Oh, such a goon. Just just a terrible, just terrible. But um, should have had two yeah, no, yellows but, before he elbowed Reyes in the neck. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Just uh, it's just awful. But um, he didn't just elbow him. He was like a WWE clothesline. And, and the thing like, is, like, literally. Yeah. Sorry. I know you're gonna finish, Mark. But um, no. Go ahead. The thing is, is, he sent him to the hospital, which means Reyes probably can't come back to the tournament because now he's been probably you he's know, out of the bubble. He could have been yeah exposed to COVID. And so uh, I mean, I just think that like they, the team, the league needs to do something about Dom Dwyer. That's it. Totally. Yeah, no. And then in second half, um, Miami actually scored a goal, so that's great for them. Uh, Juan Agadella um, looked like he was kind of starting to live up to the promise of five years ago. And um, he's not. Don't worry, he's not, guys. Uh, and yeah, so and Miami was looking fairly decent. Um, but then Nani kind of took over for Orlando and had a beautiful assist in the 70th minute and then scored the winning goal um, very similar to Minnesota United in the 90 plus seventh minute to um, go ahead and beat in whatever. I don't even, has it, have they named this Derby yet? Um, I don't know if they have just the Florida man Derby. I, yeah. I it's just, just sweaty balls. Derby is what it is. <laughs> the um, yeah, the, the, a lot of the games like this were um, just ugly. Um, big, lots of big hits, you know, lots of poor finishing. Agadello missed an absolute sitter. Um, Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we've got kind of 
it's hard to really judge anything too harshly because it's not regular season soccer. Um, someone described it to me as, uh, you know, as these are preseason games and I think we should treat it like that. Um, you know, um, that said, you know, every once in a while you can get some, um, some nice moments. Uh, I thought the Seattle San Jose game, uh, looked, especially for the first 45 minutes, like some of the best, um, uh, both teams seemed like they were able to kind of connect. They weren't finishing, uh, you know, Rui Diaz, golden boot watch drink cat. I swear to God, I swear to God one more time. Okay. Um, <laughs> Rui Diaz, uh, golden boot watch, um, definitely looked, uh, not quite as, as sharp as he normally would be. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think that I really enjoyed that game until by the end it was like, oh, okay, these guys are all gassed. Um, Miguel Ibarra did come on, uh, which which gave me a great joy. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to Seattle in this tournament. Not that I want them to do well, but I think that they're one of those teams with uh, Scoutmaster Schmetzer. I think that they're likely to do pretty well. Um and they, they kind of, in that first game at least, you know, they weren't, they were a bit unlucky, but that first game they kind of showed that like, oh yeah, they can be, they can be pretty decent here. Hey, Wes, do you want to talk about the Minnesota boy? Which one, Miguel? Jackson. Oh, Jackson Yule. Yeah, Jackson Yule as well. Um, in, uh, in central midfield, uh, an academy product from Minnesota, which uh, I didn't know that you could actually have those. But um, yeah, what, what do you want to say about him? Or do you want me to say something about him? No, I mean, I watched the game too. And like earlier in the podcast before, we're like, who is, who's a sleeper for me? And I was at San Jose, right? The, one of the reasons I love, I really enjoy this game is because you can't tell which games MLS has decided to pump in crowd noise, right? Mm. They haven't figured that out yet, right? But, um, but in this game, right? In this game, there wasn't any. And the Spanish swearing that was going out and it was being picked <laughs> up by the, by the, by by the mics, it was just hilarious. I was like, I was like, I was like, I felt like my old man was yelling at me for a moment. I was like, wait, is that my dad yelling at me, right? And then of course the only thing I can come up with is is an Argentinian coach yelling at his players. And I was like, sweet, we should make a, good, a drinking game out of this because this would be extremely fun, right? But one of the things too is that Jackson was just so central, and also like Seattle was impressing him. So whenever he got the ball, he was you know kind of like Ozzy, he would get the ball, and then you know, there's no press on him. And he was able to just pinpoint wherever he wanted to pass the ball. And he did great. Like he did, he was really great. And he's one of the reasons why it was 0 0. Also, you know, uh, Rui Diaz called a boot watch drink. drink. So rare afternoon recording for us. So I'm not drinking yeah. beer, I figure. So he was able to, you know, he had, you know, you could tell he was not comfortable because that he had the one play where all he had to do was one touch it in. He took an extra touch, right? Which is what you get, right? But overall, I think San Jose was able to was able to pull. Like I know it's not, it's a tie, but it felt like a victory for them, just yeah. because now they don't have to face Seattle. Um, well, coming up this week, uh, you know, uh, I don't know when people will listen to this, but uh, um, we got the Miguel Ibarra versus Francisco Calvo Derby at 8 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Um, uh, Philly versus Inter Miami on Tuesday night at 9.30 is going to be interesting. Um, and then, you know, the Montreal-Toronto Derby uh, on uh, at 7 p.m. on, on uh, 
what's the 15th? Is that the, that's Wednesday. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to, there's a decent amount of uh, good games. Um, for those who want to uh, come to Blackheart to watch them, we'll have on, all of them on. For the 930 games, if you, uh, um, PenceHomes.com is uh, sponsoring for 8 a.m. and 930 for those games. If you come and uh, and ask for the Pence Homes uh, two-for-one special, your second drink is uh, is compliments of Pence Homes. Summit is doing a dollar off um, for the games, and uh, and you know then we've got raffle tickets um, that we'll do for the final that um, you can win some gift cards and uh, some uh, Minnesota United jerseys. So there's that. Um, should we? Uh, take one more break and then come back and do the actual game. Back on the 55-1 podcast. Let's talk Minnesota United because third game of the season. It's uh, July. And uh, we got to see them up against Sporting Kansas City, who I think we all agree was the hardest team in this group or looked to be the hardest team in the group. And uh, the lineup was... Not optimal. Um, uh, the we had Ikopara obviously was out um, for the tournament. Um, Ozzy was a scratch because um, anyone know was it? Yeah, he had a little hamstring thing. Okay. Do we any have we heard on they, they, availability? I don't. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know the availability. I could imagine he he might be in the eighteen for the next match. Okay. Or actually, I, I, think I think he he was on the bench, right? No, I think he was he was he was no, out. He was he was out. Was he? I think okay. yeah. Fought mob I, I had him on the bench, was, and so I didn't know if that was true or not. Well, I was following uh, a certain person's IG story, and they posted the warm ups of this morning. And and unless we sign another bald Cuban guy, uh, <laughs> it's the only baldy there is in the team. So he yeah. was warming up. So okay. I think he might be doing better. So. And then Amaria had a, a groin injury in the warm ups, and so he was a late scratch. Mason Toy started for him. Uh, we had Hassani Dotson start for Ozzy, and then uh, Aha played for uh, in the Ike's, Ike's hey, spot. Me. Yeah, well, actually, SK, uh, he definitely sang that song, and um, SKC was like, yeah, we will take you on, and <laughs> it, it will work. Um, Polito and Kinda were just all over that dude. Uh, the I I couldn't quite hear. It. We had it on at the at the bar, and I couldn't quite hear it when they when they cut to Ozzy. I was I was still like wait why is Ozzy not in the game and it just said spine depleted and I I lit, I like was like holy shit no what why is he in the you know stands if his if like his yeah anyway I thought his spine was depleted but apparently they were just talking about how the team's spine was depleted right. um so ESPN yeah what's your conspiracy? Oh, my conspiracy my conspiracy theory is because you know if you shame if you shame Heath in any kind of like video aspect of it, he usually doesn't have doesn't respond oh, very yeah. well. And and who and who um, who shamed him recently in a soccer tennis match? Yeah, and Maria. He did a bicycle kick right into into Heath's his stomach. face, yeah. right into and, his ribs. And who is uh, Maria's partner? Chacon. Yeah, Chaconistas. Um, That's my conspiracy theory. I'm sticking to it. Yeah. So also missing from the lineup at all. Um, who apparently didn't. Travel it was Noah Billingsley. Did anyone know anything about this? Nope. Okay, great. Except well, no, he doesn't wear masks, right, or something like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. But um, <laughs> so uh, 
let's see. Uh, where do you want to start with this team? Do you, do you, who wants to take the first go of, of how did this team look, especially in the first half, and, and especially with these players out there? Oh, I mean, the first half we looked like our. Tw- it looked like back in 2017 when we played good teams, how we were just kind of out of our league. Like we were bunkering, but we weren't getting the ball out at all, and we we're just. I mean, we looked like we were just trying to. We were trying to not lose, is what it looked like in the first half. And thankfully, they did a pretty decent job of trying not to lose, but it was pretty painful and just boring to watch. Or was it SKC doing a pretty good job of trying not to win? Because SKC should have had. I think they should have had five goals by halftime. Yeah, it, it was insane. The, the, they could they could not finish. There's the one with the two yeah. two on one on the keeper and just like shanked it out rather than crossing it uh, gently to uh, the, the the counter. Here's my pun, right? Pulido could not pull the trigger fast enough. There you go. Yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it there. Uh, yeah. So let me let me uh, let's uh, let's talk first about um, the defense because uh, you had uh, Chase Casper, Roman Metinier, you had uh, Tyler Miller, and you had Aha and and uh, Boxall. So basically, what we saw at the beginning of the season minus Ike uh, was the first half, or I guess were the problems that we saw in missing Ike. Is it as simple as that? Yeah, you didn't you didn't you didn't have anybody commanding that back line. Um you didn't have anyone organizing, you know, even you know, you could even argue last season when Ike was out, Vito took over that role and Tyler Miller is not as vocal. Um he is not directing uh our center backs nearly as much and you could just you could see that, and Boxel was kind of doing it, but not really. It's like nobody was taking ownership of of our defense, and you could tell. Yeah, and it was just so with that. Like, I mean, Ike is really good at knowing when to push up, and really good at connecting the defense to the midfield, so we can like get our outlets going. And if we're gonna do a bunker encounter, he's kind of really important for knowing when to push up and when to connect, you know, our defense to the offense. And missing him, and then Ozzy is also really important in that as well, and especially like the crispness of like the passing from Ozzy in getting the ball from the defense into an attacking uh, mode. You totally missed that because there just wasn't there weren't those outlet balls that were like well crafted and being able to break pressure enough to like create a little bit of space to get some movement going so you can make some runs in between defenders and whatnot. That just wasn't really happening at all, and um, yeah, and. I don't know. It's, it was just bad. Rodrigo had a really good point. I can't remember if it was in the in the um, Patreon Slack or if it was on Twitter. But it's you know Dotson and Gregoose haven't really been paired together in the midfield that much. And you know you would expect a like for like um, you know sub where Dotson is going to play that Aussie role. But Dotson was playing pretty far forward. And or was at least getting pretty far forward. And typically, Gregush is doing that because Ozzy is, you know, sitting in front of the center backs, mm-hmm. or they have some sort of partnership where they know each other. And they were both getting forward, or they were both staying back, and nobody was linking up. You know, from no one was providing that link from the defense to our midfield into our forwards, and and that was that whole combination of not having. Ike or Ozzy there plus new partnerships and not knowing, not having that relationship was, was 
you, you could totally tell in the in the 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 lack of crispness in the in the passing and Dotson had some nice he always I think it was Taylor Twelman was saying he's always picking the more difficult passes like he's got the vision to see him like where he could where he could uh, he could execute those but he doesn't he's not 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 quite as refined. I'm glad that he had some of the the vision to go over the top or to hit some of those long balls, but he was just not executing it very well. Rodrigo, let me ask you about this. What does and we've had, talked about this on the podcast before. What what how does Hassani play in the midfield? What what does he look like? Maybe it's how he naturally does this or how they like tell him to do. I I can't quite tell. But what is he what is he doing out there? Well, his natural response or action is is to be active in the offense and. Mm-hmm. And because of his athleticism and his um, his knowledge, and, and you know, he he feels comfortable in that area. And I think Corey brought that up as well too. Is like we, we look at not only this pairing, like right, the Ozzy and and, Jan, and John Gregus pairing took a while for them to kind of figure out how to play well with each other. But once they figure it out, they did really well. But here we have tech mining millers, and and none of them communicating to each other because we know how Ozzy is very vocal. He's the second probably second if not the third vocals mm-hmm. vocal guy on the team. So he's always determining who's gonna where the ball goes to. Like rarely would Gregor touch the ball to distribute the ball is usually Ozzy. So not having not having that determined prior to game who's going to be doing that. Really creates really what happened is we just were sitting back too deep. Right? We were too deep. And um and we weren't able to make those outlet passes to our wing players, right? So the passes weren't going out to you know, Finley or Lod, you know, and then Molina was just running around trying to figure out something and it just wasn't working. There wasn't connecting en- enough for that. And personally, you know, we've seen Dotson play as a left back. And I think because of the game and in a, in a defensive position, the game most of the time will be in front of you. So when you have the game in front of you, you have... You have some more, a little bit more time to decide which way are you going to play. But also, he's very athletic, right? If he makes a mistake, he's going to be able to come back and try to figure that out. And that's worked out for him. But as a defensive midfielder, right, he doesn't have that tendency of, of staying in there in, 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 in that position and having someone else push up. And, I, and that could be something that could be addressed, that can be talked to, but I don't, know if, I, I don't know if he's being told to do that. Well, that's uh, in right, right along with that. In Heath's um, post-match press conference, he just said he needs Dotson to be more relaxed on the ball. Like you could tell how anxious he was. Like you could, when you're watching him play, you can see him trying to work out what his next move should be, and therefore he's being more rigid and uh, he's not able to execute some of those passes that he does when he does come in as a straight midfielder, you know, if it's a, you know, a four, three, three or, or, or whatever, where he's paired with, with, with Jan and he's got Ozzy behind him in some way, or he comes in as a winger or something like that, or as a, a wing back or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think you're right. The two things that. I see him doing a lot. One is he is closing down a lot, right? So he's moving out of that midfield to move to the wing or move somewhere else to close down. So there were a couple times where the ball gets passed through the midfield to Polito, who's dropping in in front of the center backs behind Gregush. Um, and then by the time the ball is like shot off, Dotson is not even on screen yet, right? So he's way out there. So that leaves uh, Gregush kind of all alone. Um, 
and we don't have the center backs. We don't have anyone on the who can close it down um, the way that Ike can, right? So you've you've got uh, the problem of you're missing uh, um, the space between the person who covers the space between the midfielders and defenders with no one staying back, and then you're missing the space uh, the equal parts of between the defenders and midfielders going forward of Ike who will step into that. And um, I, I mean, we should have been destroyed. There was there was one moment in particular where Polito comes in, and Aha is chasing him, right? Uh, and this is where um, Ozzy probably would be originally chasing him, but instead Aha has gone up to grab him, and he's behind. And then you know Polito makes a diagonal run, and suddenly he's behind Boxall. Aha has clearly not told Boxall that hey, I'm not. I'm going to stop running because he's now behind you. And then the ball gets to Polito, and Polito just barely missed. Um, there was a load of those numbers, a Robin load of those numbers um, of of chances, and I, I think that we got extremely lucky. And that you know, come come uh, a knockout stage with Columbus, if we don't have the answer there, if we still are using that lineup. Um, and we haven't at least changed the instructions for those players. We're going to get smoked. We we could well, lost six to I, I think I think if you want to use that lineup, I think you have to change the formation a little bit. I don't I don't think you can have that that exactly. Yeah, yeah Rodrigo. Rodrigo, uh, you're, you're he's, signing he's four, miming, four two. He's miming the well, four four two, um, or 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 even a. I mean, yeah, I think a four four two would probably work out a little bit better than a four three three. But um, but like you need that extra. That extra coverage. If you're not going to have a, uh, an Ike or an Aussie, you need that extra bit of insurance in the midfield there. So just with the wingers, then having having a, having Greg Goosh. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Who, who could you? So I like, mean, you'd you know, obviously have Finley it, on the right with I, as I put a, in just deeper, and I put Raheem Edwards in on the left. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd keep our back line, oh. and then I would do I would do Dotson and uh, Greg Goosh in the center, and then I would do Edwards and Finley on the sides, and then. Uh, toy and Amaria or broccoli and, and toy or celery, <laughs> celery buddy up up top. Um, no, broccoli no, no, no. toy. Listen, I'm 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 going the emoji the emoji route. It's <laughs> there's no celery emoji. So celery, right? Um, we can, let's talk then. Let's move to the that front four. Um, because you had um very similar thing that we've seen. Lud Molino, they were switching a bit. Um, and then you had um Finley on the right. Uh, you had Mason Toy. Um. Mark, let me ask you this. Uh, what didn't work there? Because there was a lot that didn't work. I'm not sure if much actually worked, uh, especially. Yeah, in- I mean, the key parts that really didn't work for me were, uh, I mean, Mason Toy, one of the reasons why we were always so pushed back and so far back defensively is because uh, that was actually one of the nice things about not having the crowd noise pumped in is you could hear the, all of the Minnesota coaches yelling at Toy to get out there and pressure the ball and put some pressure out there. And it was for the entire first half. And he just didn't, like he just was just sitting so deep as well. Like he was like coming back to the ball and never going back out uh, again to pressure at all. And I think that kind of, that's why defensively we were so compact and why we had led to all of our lack of a lot of the lack of offense that we had was just because there was no pressure. Like anytime we did have a good kind of defensive stop, we cleared the ball out. They had just, it was just like a, a drill where they just, the defense had nothing there or can't say just defense had nothing but time to like reset up the offense and get it back in again. Um, and the other one too is um, just uh, chat chase uh, and lewd just 
are not working on the left-hand side because, and I don't, and the thing is, it's not either of their faults because Lude has never played on the left prior to coming to Minnesota and he wants to move centrally and he keeps kind of doing that and kind of doing an overlap, but he's just leaving so much room in that format. Yeah, Chase is getting destroyed. For, yeah. I mean, Chase is basically covering three fourths of the field. Which is why Hassani is pulled out, right? Hassani is often like running out to the wing to help that. And it's, you know, it's, it's one of these things where we talk about sometimes you mess up a formation, you know, you mess up the, the strictness so that you can, uh, um, cover some weaknesses, but Robin Lude is creating a weakness, which is fine. He can move elsewhere in that if that creates a, a, a an advantage for you, and then you just cover right for the weakness. It's not creating an advantage for us, and so instead we're pulling ourselves out of shape. It's it's like the old Calvo days where you're like you're rearranging your team for a player that it's like. Well, what if you just put a different person in that role? And and the thing about Robin Lude in particular, um, which is different than uh, Finley, most uh, you know, is that um, Finley does a great job of hustling and tracking back. He does some good job of like getting doing defensive work, and um, uh, you know he was Finley had a mixed bag uh, um, yesterday, but um, he can do a decent job of also getting the ball and moving to a productive space. Robin Lude is not good on the counter. And we played so much on the counter. He does not do a good job of getting the ball, either turning, giving it to Toy, who would make a run or or whatever, or keeping the ball. And he just, I, I don't exactly know what Lud does best, but it distinctly is not that counterattacking role. Well, it's like, it, you know, Colin Solberg had a great, uh, analysis last night, which was Lud wants to go central and leaves Chase to cover 80 yards. Like there's yeah. nobody on that left wing. Um, and that's because he wants to come in central and then it's cluttered and Molino and him can't do anything creative because they don't have the space because they're trying to do the same thing and they're stepping on each other. And so, and that also leaves this vacuum where Finley and Metnair can't do, can't collaborate because it's just not, it, they're not kicking the ball out wide to them. Yeah. So it's like, you need to solve. So it's like two things. One, you either, either need to solve the, the left wing thing with the, the partnership between chase and Lud and, or you need to solve the Lud plus, plus our, our, whoever our de facto 10 is going to be. And right now that looks like Molino cause he's, he's playing really, really well for the most part. And so it's, you know, I, I don't know what you do. And I don't, again, it comes down to, does it come down to a formation change to that four, four, two where whoever is in that left central midfield, you know, can Dotson go over and cover that space. If Lud would want to come in more centrally, you know, I don't, let, well, let me, there's a, a way I want to uh, get to that, which is asking about the changes of Schoenfeld and Raheem. But before we do that, let's talk about, the goal we gave up, right? Because um, I think that 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 was in the 43rd minute. Kyrie Shelton, um, who was you know torturing uh, Chase all night, and I thought um, Chase again had a mixed bag. I thought he did some things pretty well. He he's like unafraid, but he definitely um, he puts himself. I think this is just being young. He puts himself in places where um, you know he got a yellow, and then a few minutes later he was chasing in the box and rather than maybe staying away the player and just shepherding him, he went in for a challenge and it was like just inches from getting that wrong. And it's a PK and a second yellow. Um, so he's a little bit 
hasn't quite like gotten all that stuff ready. But Kyrie Shelton kind of uh, takes a ball in, and um, there is it must be Polito, I forget now running at the far post. Tim Melia, not Tim Melia, our guy, <laughs> Tyler Miller. Sorry, I'm, I'm got the, the, other, no, the other notes up here. Yeah, um, Tyler Miller. Uh, I I think looks at sees Polito coming on the right, expects the ball to be crossed, and his brain just like he just has an out of body experience and is like, oh, I need to do that without remembering that there's also a guy coming in at goal who can shoot. He completely vacates the near post. And I mean, there's not going to be too many easier finishes than that uh, for, for Kyrie Shelton. He, he puts it in. It was a, it was a, it was like a stutter step, right? It was like a stutter step. It was a little, away, a little like a little deke away from the, from the post. Yeah. I mean, th- this is, you know, and this is again to, to not, not to criticize, Deeply, but this is where like a, a vocal center back and communication aspect of it is. It's like no one communicated what's going to happen with, with within that, who is going to go in, who is going to go wide. So like Tyler just decided, well, I'm going to go out for a little bit and then see maybe may, maybe what he can do. And then of course it was you know it was the wrong decision, but you know SKC should should have been up for more than just one goal. Seriously, and and I mean, uh, Miller did make a couple of pretty good saves. Um, uh, it was, uh, but that was, that was a, that was a preseason big old mistake there. Yeah. I mean, and, and we've and seen the thing. Go ahead, Rodrigo. No, I was saying, we've seen, we've seen goalie mistakes, not only in, in MLS, but also in WSL, like mm-hmm. really like things that people are not doing, should, usually don't do yeah. like, to, to that. And that's been happening. And those might be one of those things, but I mean, at the, at the same time, like that goal shouldn't have happened. But we were also creating anything to to counter that at that yeah. point. We couldn't we couldn't get out of our own back half for the first sixty minutes, mm-hmm. you know. But but getting back to the the Miller thing, like yeah, it was a howler, but it's also at the same time, it's like every league that we've seen restart, you've seen these things where yeah, there you're just not making the decisions fast enough yeah. uh, in the moment, and that's going to come. Like he's you know th- we we had no. In you know we had no um, scrimmages against other teams. Mm-hmm. It was all inter inter team stuff, and it was you know seven on seven or whatever whatever it was. And so, I think that will get better. I do think he's a good keeper, and um, it just sucked. But yeah, I don't think there's. Oh, I I definitely that make from from that mistake. The way I look at other parts of this, of like I think Aha and Boxall had poor nights, and both of them were trying to, um, uh, trying to um make tackles both of them committed to tackles and then were immediately burned and it was like what are you doing um uh let's um let me uh go to the change which happened in the 59th minute when uh, mason toy um got injured um aaron schoenfeld comes on and this was when minnesota started to finally look good right I, th- I think we were missing, you know, the connecting piece, right? Like we talked about how the center back to Ozzy, Ozzy distributes the ball. We weren't, we weren't very clear on that. And so like Aaron's always coming back to get the ball. Like he's, he's, he's always wanting to be able to touch the ball. And I think that that helps the aspect of the touches trying to get wide and, and playing them. But at the same time, Toy, um, like he seems, he's, he's, he's not, you know, we've, we've said this before, he's not a holding forward, right? He's like, play it into space guy, right? And we weren't doing that, right? Like, 
you know, Molino, Molino and him have supposedly a, a, a good relationship. We didn't see that on the field at all. We've seen so many times he's chipped over the defense and made him run for it. And I was looking to see some of that. And, and, and prior to that, I think, you know, Mason toy with his frustration was also being physical towards the end of that. And I think he got elbowed right, right around that time and tried to play it off. And that's why he had to come off. But the, the changes were, were, were great. Uh, I think I've always say play the youth and Edwards has proved that, um, that with, with the youth and, and, and it, it's, it's one of those players that we, we look to, to be able to be a change of pace person and, and it paid. Right. And, and, and Aaron, I mean, Aaron tries, he tries hard to do whatever he can to make a situation better, even though sometimes he misses, but that's still fine. He, he tries. And that's something that you want. You want someone that's working hard. Well, that's, that's the thing that I, I think the, the reason you didn't see that, that Molino toy relationship is that we couldn't get anything into the midfield and have enough space for Molino to make that decision, to make that, to make that pass over the top where toy could run off of the back shoulder. But when Schoenfeld came on, he was doing a little bit more of the Amaria work where he's tracking back almost like that fourth midfielder and kind of letting, letting everybody be a little bit more fluid. You know, you're more direct with your passing, but a little bit more fluid in your positioning um, to create those spaces and opportunities because then your defense doesn't know who to, who to track. But, you know, it was, but he's also, he's also just more physical and he can hold up a little bit more too at the same time. I think he and, demands and, a lot more from the center backs there and he's, yes, he's just bossing them around a bit more. And, and, and that freed up and that freed up Finley and Metnair to be able to go to just create havoc up and up and down that right wing which is what they're good at. And all of our chances have come from that right wing. Yeah. Um, which isn't anything new. We're just better at it now that we have better people in the box. But yeah, so he came on at, at what? 15? 59th minute. Yeah. And then, yep. and then 25 um, minutes later or, or um, uh, 15 minutes later, we, we had the, um, the red card when he gets the ball and on the counter and, you know, he, I thought he could have tried to chip uh, Melia, but you know he tries to take it around him. Amelia uh, um, just takes him Came out. outside the box. Yeah, and Came outside a, the box and yeah, took him out. It's a red card, and then a, a free kick that Gregush uh, put into the into the next uh, field. Uh, um, you know, <laughs> put into Epcot I mean, that's, Center. That's that's such a heart. Like I was, we were watching that last night, and I was like, how do you how do you try to go over the top from that? From that space, yeah, it's not like an Molino, easy free kick. Molino, Molino was taking up a great, like a great gap, and soon as soon as Gregus went up for that ball, he just dove out of the way, hoping that Gregus was just going to fire it through that through that gap, like fire it low, just hit it as hard as you can, and said he skies it, and it's that that's such a hard yeah free kick to take, but uh, right after that, red Raheem came on for Robin Lud, yep, and then immediately that dynamic on the left just totally changed because now chase doesn't have to cover 80 yards. Yeah. And, and you know, there's, uh, I, I obviously was, uh, crying out for Tommy Chacon to come in. <clears throat> Tommy Chacon and Raheem Edwards are going to play that very differently. Uh, you know, those between Lud, Chacon, Edwards are three very different players. Um, Edwards is, I think most like, a Finley, right? So it's most having two straight up wingers out there. Whereas, you know, um, Chacon, Chacon will take the ball and at least hold it a little bit and run with it, but he'll do it in a Darwin way where, and again, I've only seen 
effing Chacon play three times, four times. But um, it seems like he would take it and maybe take more risks and lose the ball. Um, so I can totally see Chacon is maybe not right for this moment. Um, Raheem Edwards instead um, is a guy who uh, is going to take the ball, uh, run a lot, do the defensive work, um, put in a cross, and the the you know I'm, I'm I'm skipping here, but the game winner that he ends up putting that cross in, it's a ball that I thought was just going out, and he goes and, and takes a risk, gets out there, crosses it back, and, and Molino can finish it for the for the win. Yeah, that's the whole thing. That ball was supposed to go out, and he saved it, mm-hmm. and at the same time cut it back for Molino, who was just positioned perfectly, and then sent it home, and that that was it, and that was. But that's and that's not the first time we've seen him make that exact same run. We saw we saw him do it twice in preseason, right. and well, then, both times both times resulted in goals. Yeah, he's great running to that second post or wherever they're making that run to one of the posts is, and 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 that's one of the things that you need. You make someone making those runs, and and Finley will do that. But I I I feel that Raheem has just got is 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 quicker to get there, or already has a mindset that that's where I'm going. And that's set, you know, and then that, that sets up really well for someone who's just waiting in the box or waiting outside to be able to just to shoot the ball. I mean, just like at the twenty eighth minute when like um, when John had that shot that literally like that was that was the only time I seen him take a shot like that, and it was the only time he was actually pushing forward, following the play, right? Um, and and that was one of us. We we need to be able to work on this cohesiveness. I also have a crazy idea, but. Like if 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 we're if Heath is insistent in playing Lude, then why don't you just pair him in the middle with Gregorish and then try to have those two figure it out who 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 goes up, who comes down, right? If he's looking for possession and touches of the ball and he's willing to do that, then let's just like to a four four two, put him in there and then put two wingers on the side and then and then let's let let's see how that works. You know, let's see if that works. I mean, because He's going to be keep on getting playing time, and every time he he's playing with Chase, it feels like it feels like Calvo and Miguel Ibarra all over again in mm-hmm. a sense. You definitely, um, I mean, I think we can all say that Raheem Edwards uh, and Schoenfeld should start the next match, right? I mean, assuming Amaria is assuming yeah. Amaria is out. Yes, yeah, I think. Well, and Toy may be injured, so it's but moot point. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think. What Raheem gives, gives there is is pretty interesting, and right if if Lud is gonna if you still believe in Lud, find a different way to use him, and maybe that's central center midfield. I think that um, you maybe lose defensive work even more there. Um, uh, but let, let's talk about the first goal because I skipped forward and, and went to the game winner. Uh, who wants to take me through that? What what worked there, and, and how did we we pull that um, that tying goal out? Um, actually, it comes down to like Greg was like. With all of, I mean, like we talked about um, after the red card, how he just skied the free kick. But man, the accuracy and placement of that free kick, because um, I think it was Finley that got taken down and had set up the free kick about, I don't know, it looked like about like 15 yards out from the box. Yeah. Um, and he placed it at just like the perfect height where it was a little bit, it was just slightly past a six where the keeper couldn't get to it, but it's like the perfect height to get in there. And, um, we just got lucky that it went off of, you know, uh, Shelton's chest and mm-hmm. went in. Um, it also helped that, the, um, you know, 
Sanchez, their backup, which, by the way, can oh. we talk about Sanchez's mustache? Oh, because God, that just take a was amazing. Oh, just, just the. I the mean, of all, he looked like he stash. He looked out of his element playing goalkeeper, but man, was that a glorious mustache! Oh, well, that's because he was filming in the back room before. Yeah. The- <laughs> I don't, well, it totally reminded me of on. Uh, oh God, who's the character? Who's the guy on Super Troopers? Oh, oh, you know what yeah, I'm talking okay. about. Well, anyways, yeah, not, anyways, I, I, was, he, I was thinking of the Nacho Libre uh, character. Uh, I mean, someone else uh, mentioned um, Jason Schwartzman with a with a mustache uh, as well. I mean, there's a lot of it. It, it was a mustache that invoked American film uh, um, heritage, and it, it was a beautiful effing mustache. I want to Grant, take a moment. Grant, Grant Wall just tweeted a zoomed in photo of it with no caption. <laughs> and no, no. I mean, Look. it was like it's like vintage Burt Reynolds style, like it was, quality. It was, it was um, oh, was good. Oh, you God, can you can do brilliant. a Google image search of mustache and then Sanchez and we all Sanchez's we, 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 we are well known to wear that well. So <laughs> he did you proud. He, he did the Sanchez part yeah. of me proud. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. But then on the own goal, like, unfortunately, like he was like kind of caught in no man's land where he's like wanted. And that's what a perfectly like placed free kick like that will do. It's like, you could see he wanted to get out and get to it. But like, once he kind of like started to make the movie, he realized he didn't, it was just slightly out of his reach and couldn't do it. And now he was like kind of stuck near the top of the six and when it went off the guy's chest, it just went right through his legs and into the goal. But it was an unfortunate goal. But, but the, the, the thing that, that we don't talk about is like, yeah, Aaron Schoenfeld missed that header. Like if, if he would have had that, that, that could have been on target. I mean, it could have, he could have skied it. Who knows? But the fact that he, that his timing was close enough to cause that chaos because right, right. he doesn't want to come off his line because he sees that Aaron Schoenfeld is going to get his head on this ball. And then it, it was, yeah, it was an own goal, but it was, it was perfectly placed. And I think, um, you know, props to Aaron Schoenfeld for being there, even though that he totally whiffed it, it still created enough problems in the box that we took advantage. Better lucky than good sometimes, and, right? And we should also mention that there was the the VAR um, disallowed goal from uh, Molino um, that came quick soon after um, Schoenfeld came in. Uh, I, I don't understand. I'm, I'm I hate VAR. I've said it many times, but I don't understand how you can make a clear and obvious decision when it's quite clear that there was no camera angle that showed, and there were camera angles around, but we all know that camera angles can be can grossly um over emphasize yeah. yeah and distort and so i i just i'm annoyed that that they we have this pretense of being uh of quantifying uh things that that are not quantified and uh and it's stupid it, it and it's also did he even touch it well, actually i put that question on twitter and it, it just because he's in a place to interfere with a yeah. goalkeeper, yeah. whether or not he touches the ball doesn't matter because Correct. he was yeah. blocking the goalkeeper and all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Whatever. so we've come to the end. We win the game. Um, uh, I, I, th- there's probably a few other points to make here, but um, cold uh, at cold North rants asks um, thoughts on Aha's first performance. Um, and then comments on Schoenfeld. We did that a little bit, but let me, let me just, uh, emphasize change this um aha question which is i thought he was very very bad i thought he was one of the worst players on the pitch there um is that do you share that am i being too harsh on him 
I think no, no, in a sense, but because we both know that the current series status that we have on the field, they're both support players, right? They're not, they're not the leader in that back line, and you know, props to um, Aha because he took that free kick ball to the face like a man. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. That. Oh man! And so, like, Ouch. he put his body before the team, and like, I'm never going to say he's not a tough player, but he he took that ball straight to the face and. Was able to continue playing, um, but overall, I mean, it's just you know not without having someone in that defense that is vocal and determines where the players are going to come to or communicate. It's just there's just two very supportive players trying to figure out how where, where to play, where to be, and not trying to mess up things up. So, so do I think a high serviceable in a sense of like yeah, we can use them as a as a plug and play for for a couple of times, but. If this is if 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 Ike's you know injury is is past the group stage, then I I honestly don't know how many goals they can save. Well, I I just I was then watching a little bit of the um, Colorado RSL game, um, and saw Kyrie Sh- or not Kyrie Shelton uh, Kai Kamara out there, and thought like, oh my god, Kai Kamara is going to literally just murder Aha. He's just just gonna just. Just decapitate him, um, defenestrate him. Uh, anyway, I just Coleman. Coleman can't be cleared soon enough. Oh yeah, yeah. No, and aha. Uh-huh, I mean, aha. Uh-huh, he was bad, but he's supposed. To, he's he's our fourth choice center back. Like, like no, like he's like he's our Olmsberg. Like if we, he's a guy who, if we have three healthy center backs, mm-hmm. we're trying to find a loan for him or get if he's younger. You know what I mean? Get him some playing time. Like he looked fine for a fourth choice center back. And I mean, just, I mean, just look at our roster, like the, of our like 19 guys on our roster last night, there were only four with these next to their names and they all played 90 minutes. We have absolutely zero depth right now at any of our defensive spots. And so until, you know, Coleman's back or we make some new signings, which won't help in this tournament. And I actually don't even know if I can come because I saw, because I thought I saw something that like, because you know, congrats to uh, Christian Ramirez and yeah. his wife because they just had a baby, and I saw that Jeff Ruder said something to uh, we tweeted it out that since uh, he can't rejoin, yeah. Christian left the bubble, he can't come back in, there, and so, it says, and I don't think I can come into the bubble either. I don't think I can even there. Play. It's can not he? so. Let me, yeah. Um, Christian originally, you know, I had said I, I asked him pretty early on, like, hey, what's going to happen with this? Are you allowed to leave the bubble, come back? He thought he would be able to. I think then after I had asked him that question, he had clarity. He still thinks uh i think there there it's still some ambiguity on whether they can later rejoin if they get like a private jet and fly and do and do um their own then quarantine it's that's not super clear i think it's extremely unlikely ramirez and opara go in i think in ramirez's case it's like uh you know on one hand you have uh you can be supportive and be part of your your baby's uh life on the other hand you can ride the bench in a bubble and eat 65 dollar uh stale sandwiches like i you know i mean if you're if you're going to be kind of like riding the bench over there unless uh, atlanta wants to suddenly or inter miami wants to suddenly trade for you and uh and give you a starting spot i, I think yeah and and i i don't i think uh, heath mentioned that i might join in the knockouts i think that's not happening at all I mean, if, if Houston's smart, they should just give Ramirez 
the overall the overall Twitter account. Just give him the tw- his Twitter account. Let him tweet. Yeah. <laughs> From there, and just troll people, just like this happening over with the pride. I yeah. mean, I think that's probably the smartest thing to do. I mean, and you know, congratulations to him. And actually, kind of lucky, right? You don't get to play a game, and you get to be home with your family now. Yeah. And you know, and with the um, situation with Atlanta, who knows how much longer he will be in Houston? Yeah, who knows? Um, so uh, then the, the this last question from at Comfort Star. Um, uh, is um, basically asking about the subs and why there were no subs. Uh, now, subs and whether or not how many they're used are always maybe, I think, a kind of uh, unnecessary fight to pick or whatever or to, to, to pick at with, with coaching. But um, we only used two of five subs, and yet, you know, the win came in stoppage time goals. So um, is... Heath justified in not making uh, extra subs when, you know, hey, it worked? I mean, his his whole thing is um, team chemistry, and you don't build that without getting time together. Mm-hmm. And tactics aside, I mean, it's, you know, you had a new center back pairing, you had a new midfield pairing, um, you know, the front four, you know, front three plus your striker, take, you know, whoever that could be. But so I think there was a little bit of that. I think there's always a little bit of that for some reason that he would rather consistency and, and some sort of known quantity between the players. Um, he'll probably argue that, you know, Dotson and, and Gregish needed more time together. That's why he didn't sub either one of them out. Clearly you're not going to, you're not going to pull a Toronto and, and sub out your center backs, but uh, you know, it's, I think there's a little bit of that. Um, I think he, I just I I don't know. I'm just I'm just baffled by his substitution. Um cuz even when you know there how many games did have we played at home last season where he used one sub. Yeah. You know. Um and now he's got five. I just I just don't think that's a priority for him. And I'll, I and it, it'll be very interesting to see how he rotates the squad if at all. Other than maybe uh, an Edwards for for Lud, yeah. or maybe he just sticks with it and he says, you know what, Raheem Edwards is going to come in at sixty minutes, yeah. or maybe he'll use a halftime sub um, if the tactics aren't working. I I don't know. I mean, I I would love to see Chacon start on <laughs> the right. No, but let me just explain why. Yeah. Because one thing that uh, is Finley's strongest thing is that he has just some going like he's able to run at defenses and with the heat and the humidity if you can bring in Ethan Finley at full steam at 60 minutes and just straight runs at defenders and just run at you know a left back that's getting kind of tired it's going to and then you also have once you bring him in you also have Metnair who can also kind of do some overlapping runs you could just attack that left back who's probably going to be pretty tired. And I think it'd be great knowing that their chemistry together, that if you saved uh, Finley for the end, when you like say we get in a situation where we desperately need him, put him in. But like if Chacon can do whatever Chacon does, which no one actually knows what Chacon does, um, have at it, get him some experience. And then, yeah, just have Finley lit, light everybody what, what up. Could, what could you, I mean, you know, I mean, that's essentially what we did with Raheem Edwards on the left because Lud and his soft feet aren't doing anything. But would you do would you stick with our four two three one and put Chacon on the left and then switch Lud to the right, keeping Molino in the center, and then do a double switch where you bring on both 
Raheem and Finley, and you just just gas whoever is left on their on their left and right backs. Mm-hmm. You know, or do you or do you change that up every every match? I think you have to look at the tendencies too. From the small window that we've gotten, see Chacon, he seems to work best in the middle than it, than he does on the wing, right? Um, specifically when the ball is not getting to him um, and he doesn't have enough space to be able to create anything. So, I mean, if we talk about chemistry, I mean, like, you know, I from from all the uh, release videos that we get to see during practice, I I, I really think that. Chacon and Amarilla are, are, are creating some of that chemistry. And I'd love to be able to see some of that on the field, you know, because we know Chacon understands where to place the ball, where to pace the ball, and is, is known to be able to put those balls uh, on point. And so it's, it'd be interesting to see specifically, but then, 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 then you just have the problem of who else goes in the midfield, right? Well, we don't, we, we have, we have enough options to be able to do so. Do you, do you sit at Ethan Finley? I mean, do you, do you sit a Molino? Do you do you, what is it that you want to do specifically? Because the only things that we're really short are our center backs and, and strikers at the moment. So, yeah, I think we're getting Chacon a little bit in for Molino um, uh, for just to see him for 15 minutes uh, toward the end of the game in maybe RSL or uh, or Colorado would be nice. Just starting to get every once in a while, and and not maybe not in this tournament. He's a player who we need to see more from. Um, and I know we're all just going to keep on going on the, on uh, because we're Shekinistas. Um, but just seeing him get a little bit, you know, Molina's a little tired. It's not working. Uh, Molina was not on the ball that much yesterday. Um, you know, obviously he pulled it out, so great. Um, and that uh, justifies um, making the decisions that they did. But I would love to see him get a little bit of that. Just to, you know, hey, you know, you're not favored, but you need to show what you got in 15 minutes here. Yeah, especially with the way um, uh, the later match last night ended up with RSL beating Colorado, um, how our next match with against RSL goes could totally dictate how we can make some really, like on our third group stage uh, match, make some really big kind of roster decisions. I mean, if we go into that with six points, uh, we're going to be through. So at that point, you can really experiment a little bit, which, I mean, it's not like he's actually known for ever experimenting, but boy yeah. can dream, I guess. At least not in this decade. No. Let's uh, let's um, call it there. Uh, it is great to be back with the 55-1 podcast with you all. Um, it was great to have... Um, it was like a... It was so weird to have the bar um, uh, like a small crowd, very separate people. <laughs> Just, But we had to sing Wonderwall together. It was great. Um, if you want to be part of the Friday night uh, thing, I'm going to still do tickets for it because it's basically like you buy a ticket and then you get a drink ticket just so I can keep... Uh, so I can make sure just in case everyone suddenly wants to show up, we're trying to make sure that we can keep it uh, small and intimate. Um, but uh, it was great. You can also please come out to the um, MLS or EPL matches that um, I post on Twitter. I'll be there a lot and uh, talking, talking shit about soccer uh, as I always do. Um, thank you guys. Uh, it's great seeing you and, and uh, we'll do another podcast uh, this weekend to talk about Friday night's game. Oh, it's so good to be angry with you guys again. Oh. <laughs> angry. All right. Adios, compas. All right. Talk to you later. Good seeing you.